0: Good morning, Father. Again, thank you for your grace and mercy on this group of believers who are here after a rough week. And now we ask, Father, that uh, the truth that is shared would encourage our hearts and uh, give us some semblance of purpose to the trials of life and encouragement. Thank you for your grace and mercy, Jesus. Use me to your glory. Get me out of your way that your truths would be lifted up in Jesus name. Amen. Today is a very fitting day to glorify Jesus. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He reigns and rules over everything and everything has a meaning and a purpose. And we've been going over a series of Christology or Christology and the nice thing about Um, this information, is it helps us know when we're hearing truth and when we're not hearing truth, and to know where to put our hope in. This week is a great illustration that truth matters, because that's what we have to put our hope in. So, we're talking about Jesus now. And the Ligonier Ministry put out a statement of faith on Christ, Christology. And it's reminiscent of the historic Christian creeds, where Christians through the ages would come and battle against lies and not, and false truths against who Jesus was, protecting the truth of what the scripture said. And it's very important. Of course, this is what it says here. Instead of reading it to you, I've switched things around. I'm going to let the little video sh- share it with you. And, uh, then we're going to jump into the last section of it, which is this. He's our prophet, priest, and king. And we're going to emphasize building his church, interceding for us, and reigning over all things. Jesus Christ is Lord. We praise his holy name forever. Amen. That is where we get our hope from. <clears throat> this is what brings meaning and purpose to everything. And I want to give you hope in something. And it's the most messy, most goofy looking thing on the planet. And it's the church. <laughs> the, the Bride of Christ. The church of Jesus. There's a lot of confusion about it. But I want to give you some important points about it. That can give us all hope. That Jesus is building His church. And that's what we're going to really spend our emphasis on. He's actively and presently working in Pawpaw, in Greco Capon, in the panhandle of West Virginia and beyond with his church. And I want to help you see the church, recognize the church, and of course we're going to use the scriptures to do that, not any man's opinion. Matthew 16:16 16, 16 says this, I want to unpack this a bit with you. Of course, I am not a proponent of Catholicism who would spin this into apostolic succession. Do not sweat it. However, when Jesus said, Did I not tell you you are Peter? Peter means rock. It is a play on words. You're Peter. On this rock, the truth that Peter confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Son of the living God, I will build my church. This is the truth. That builds the church. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That alone distinguishes the Christian faith from everything else in all the world. Because this has so much meaning. To us. Because it's on this where we put our trust in salvation. We don't put our trust in works, we put our trust in the works of Christ. That's how we go to heaven. This is the beginning of it. And then when someone knows they're sanctified, saved, then they begin to bear this fruit of wanting to follow Jesus. But this is it. This is the beginning of it. But I want to help us see, the church is described historically in two different ways. The visible and the invisible church. And what I want to help us do is unpack those. Um, Let's let's unpack it this way. This is what we're familiar with, and sorry I did not correct my slides, my edits, so I apologize. I don't like that when that happens. Here is uh, a historic branch of Christianity. And what we see here is that this is the beginning of Christianity. They're all together. And then what starts to happen is these branch-offs, right? And they branch and branch. And here's a big split between Catholicism, between Western and Eastern. Down here we have the Eastern Orthodox splitting off from Catholicism. And then we have the Reformation period, right? And that's why we're here today. If this event didn't happen, we would not be here. And then, boom, and then in America there's over 2,000 denominations. So would the real church please stand up? Right? How do you unpack that? And when you have friends say, what about all those crazy denominations out there? What am I seeing on TBM? What is all that stuff? Let me help you unpack this. Where are the Christians? Well, before I hit the next slide, this church history is a loaded statement, meaning what all humans can look back on in this particular design, is the organizations, the man-made organizations of people attempting to follow Jesus. So you got these Christians together, and it's like, well, now what? You believe in Jesus? You believe in Jesus? Well, now what do we do? Does God have any instructions for us? What does that look like now? Okay? So they get together. And they start saying, well, let's meet together on a regular basis. Okay, what do we do when we get together on a regular basis? Well, maybe we should read some of the letters of Paul or Peter. and Maybe we should be taking our Old Testament with us since the majority of the Christians were Jews in the first century. Well, okay. Well, then what? Because we're not supposed to practice the Jewish faith anymore, so what would that look like? Right? So... Then they get these organizations together, and that's what we have going on. It's just pretty much everybody's Christians, there's no denominations, you know, do you know Jesus, Does, you know, how do you know you're going to heaven if Jesus Christ is Lord, right? You know, um, Christians used to be executed as atheists in the Roman Empire, as atheists, because they would not say Caesar is Lord. They would say, Jesus is Lord. And they'd say, if you don't say Caesar is Lord, if you don't say Obama is Lord, if you don't say the President is Lord, you will be killed in public. Right? That was their test. If not, you're an atheist. You don't believe the leaders of God, you're dead. But Jesus is Lord. Alright? You're dead. Polycarp died that way. Publicly executed for saying, Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. Alright? Now the churches start to, get to, they start to get their theology and they start the, the creeds. And people who are outside of the creeds, now they start to get splits going on. And now, but this is man-made organizations trying to juggle all the theology. But where are the Christians? Where are the, the, the sheep who hear the Lord's voice? Here's where I think they are. Every dot is the Christian, the invisible church. Growing up in, in the Catholic background, I could pick out the Christians in the room of Catholics. Because they're the ones who love Jesus. They're the ones who read their Bible. They're the ones who have even spin, even though they don't understand all the theology of what their particular denomination is teaching, they got this craziness for Jesus that is not the norm. Now, I know many Protestant churches that do not have Christians in them. Right? They, they might be a really strong church, but there are people in there, who they would crack a Bible open if you cracked them over the head with it, because they don't care. And they're in Protestant churches. They're part of the Reformation. That's the sola scriptura. What's a scriptura? I ain't going to read that. Right? They don't care about Jesus. They don't care anything about what God says. And it's not evident they're weak. They show no fruit. So what we're looking for is who follows Jesus. That's the invisible church. And the invisible church has seasoned His people. God has put His people in these other churches, even if they don't understand their doctrine fully. They should, but they don't. But that's not necessarily what we're looking for. We're looking for folks who love Jesus. Now, some of you in this room might recognize this. What are we looking at here? What evidence? We're looking at a tree, but what's the distinctions about this tree? Our hunters, this should be a clue for you. Buck rub. Buck rub, that's right. What's this? What's going on here? Scrape. Scrape, and what's this? The rub. The rub. It's his antlers, right? Mm-hmm. Rubbing this, and he's scraping the ground. There's evidence. of something. But where's the Deer. It's invisible, right? No, obviously it's gone off to mark another territory. Okay? When looking for Christians, when you're looking for the visible church, you know, um, it's hard to see the invisible church, right? Because it's invisible, right? So we need to look for evidences of where the visible church is, all right? And this is a loose... You don't hold on to this tightly. But the the evidences of um, an invisible church should be something like this. We're on the hunt for new creations. We're on the hunt for strange people. Christians are strange, strange people. Because they're the ones that keep posting those irritating things on Facebook like, Love Jesus... You know, instead of just going with the flow and promoting the next form of sin that comes down the line, they're the ones who are doing different things. And here's what the scripture says about those, the invisible church, Second Corinthians five sixteen and seventeen. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We're looking for for a distinctive behavior in a Christian that is irrelevant to where they're at whether they're in the church or whether they're outside of the church building. We're looking for evidences of a character that's gone astray. And what I mean by astray is the narrow way. So the rest of the people are going, I'm dumb, I like Obama's new ideas, I'm going to do stupid things too. Yay, evil! And they keep marching along without thinking, and then the Christian goes, wait a minute. And then they step to the side, and they don't walk that way anymore. Okay? You know... Um, that swimming pool illustration I like to use where we'd get in a big round swimming pool, me and my brothers and their friends and the whole neighborhood, and we'd get our pool in a big whirlpool. We'd get like 12 kids all pushing that water, and we'd get this big whirlpool going. And how do you make waves? Stop. Just stop where you are, and all of a sudden the pool's pulling you along and it's splashing around you, and all you did was stop. For Christians living for Jesus in this culture, you don't even have to go against the flow. All you need to do is stop going with them. Stop sinning with them and you're making waves. Just by stopping. Alright? That's incredible. That's what a new creature does. I always like to remind us that as Christians, we should be the first persons in the room to say we're the most vile, evil people. Right? Right? Because that lowers the bar. That, that, that friend who's in that room with you who doesn't know Jesus, well, now they can't go, well, you, oh, you just admitted that? Nope. Well, okay. Now that you've admitted that, now you can say, but I'm a new creature. I'm in Jesus. I'm a new creature. All the guilty things, you know more about what I did than I did. You know, it's gone. Not only did God forgive it, he had to forget it. It cannot be accounted to you, else you wouldn't be able to get to heaven. These are the people who can't seem to leave their religion in the church. Those are the people who like to pray for someone. Can I pray for you? You know? They keep inviting people to church. We stopped at one of the stores and met another church member just yesterday, and he's like, I keep inviting people. They're not coming. They say they are, but they're not coming. Um Everyone knows they go to church all the time. And again, this is the big one. They don't sin like everyone else is doing. One thing about the youth group I enjoy is we come in here and and we sit and we have discussions about what's going on in the local school. And those kids, well, any lost person is not those kids, but lost people do what lost people do. They sin and hate God. And if God's got a checklist of what's right, they're doing the opposite literally on purpose. Because a heart against God is rebellion against God. And then these kids sitting in here going, What do I do? I'm like the only one not doing it. And I feel alone. Alright? First thing I want to say is, Praise the Lord! Yay! Man, do you know how different and special you are that you're not being as stupid as them? They are gaining nothing and losing everything. And they're going to have scars and damage and they're going to destroy their own families and they're going to ruin generations because they hate God. And you're not doing it. You guys should be like dancing around. That's incredible victory. But unfortunately, it looks and feels like that. Everyone's marching on. What's wrong with letting sexual sin identify us, right? It's okay. Make it a law. No, wait. Follow Jesus. Okay, you're on your own. And by the way, we will come after you. We will come after you and call you an intolerant bigot bigot, because you do not accept sin and evil. Right? That's what it feels like and looks like following Jesus. And yet, here you are. You all struggled into the room. You came in here, and it's like, why are we here again? Jesus. Yeah, I hope you're not here for religion, because you're going to be profoundly disappointed. <laughs> we, we worship Jesus, we love Jesus. He's our boss, our leader. Okay? Love compels us to follow Jesus. When someone belongs to Jesus, they have this crazy urge to want to obey Him. They want to find new ways to grab whatever Jesus is saying and put it in them. But there's a struggle there because it's like, how do I get to this Jesus information? It's not easy to read your Bible. You could read any other book. You could spend 20 minutes going down your newsfeed on your social media. But to stop and go, wait a minute, there's a Bible in this house. There it is. Right? Battle to do that? Oh, that's tough. It's so much easier to just, you know, drink your coffee and just watch what's going on, right? You know that's the battle. And then to try to understand what the Scripture says. But that's where it's at. Let me encourage you with this, Second Corinthians five eighteen through 21 For all this is from God, who, through Christ, reconciled us to Himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not eh, not counting their trespasses against them. Huh? Huh? Anyone want their God not to remember something you did in the last week? Huh? Well I do, alright? And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And because of that, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. That's why I encourage the men on Wednesday, share what you're able to. God making His appeal through us. To those folks, see the reality of it? We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, for our sake, God made Jesus, He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. What do you think of that? I want you to go, I dare you to post that on your Facebook today, for all of you who have Facebook. I'm the righteousness of God. Put that Bible verse there and see if any people go, You snooty Christian! Try it. See what happens. Great opportunity. The visible church. This is what the visible church looks like. And this is, this should be in your heart and mind. This should be nagging you. There's a church out there and I know God wants me to be part of it. But they're just so peopley. And you want me to be part of that group of weirdos? Yeah. Yeah. Let's look at this. <laughs> Acts 2, 41 and 42. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. This is the beginning of the church. Peter gets up after you know, Pentecost and the Holy Spirit empowers him to speak other languages and boom, he gives a sermon. 3,000 people say, "Yeah, I'll take Jesus. That, that makes sense to me. And then this is their response. They devoted, devoted. that pesky word. Why is that in there? Because that means we got to be devoted. To the apostles' teaching. That's teaching of the word of God. To the fellowship. To being devoted to a local church. Why? For the breaking of bread and prayers. When we when we celebrate communion. And when we pray together as a family. And when we pray for each other. Look. Look at this. Devoted. 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 I serve Jesus. Where's the local church? i got to go be part of it. Period. Wherever it is, whatever it is, that's my command from Jesus. Yes, sir, I'm going to go find one and I'm going to go get involved. Because people need the hands of Jesus through me. People need the hands of Jesus through you. The local church needs you. And it's a blessing when you're here because it encourages me when you're here and it encourages other people when you're here. The local church needs you. But I want to emphasize this. My relationship to Jesus does not depend on being a member of the local church. That should make you... oh, See, I don't have to go every week. (laughs) No, that's not what I mean. My relationship to Jesus does not depend on being a member of the local church. Some of you have already read ahead. However, my relationship to Jesus as my king... Lord demands that I be involved in a local church. Not just a member, but involves. If you have a relationship to Jesus, you are commanded to be involved in the local church. Not a member. Because a member just says, yeah, my name's on the roll. Those days of member roles are over. The only way you're proven you're a member is if you're involved in the local church. Because the saints need encouragement and there are lost people dying and going to hell. And we should not be comfortable with that. We should never be comfortable with that. Okay? The question you want to have settled in your heart is, are you a part of the invisible church? Does Jesus own you? Does Jesus rule over you? And does Jesus command you? And do you push forward to obey? Right? That's the question you want to answer in your heart. Is Jesus commanding your heart and are you yielding and obeying? Or are you going, uh uh. Ain't nobody rule over me! I'm my own boss! And even King Jesus, he's second! I'm first! That's what my schedule looks like, that's what my job looks like, that's what my education looks like, that's what my fun time looks like. Jesus, you're second, I'm first. Who's your boss? Right? You know those bumper stickers? My boss is a Jewish carpenter or something. Okay? Um, the visible church. I'm, involved, I'm an involved member of the local church because Jesus me. commands it. You cannot be a Christian and miss church. I want to emphasize for law. There's periods and there's droughts and we go through our things. I'm all good with that. I get it. But you can't do it for long because you've got this pesky command to get back in the game. All right. Here's the pesky command, by the way. Hebrews 10:24 and 25. Um, I'll let you look it up. I know you all know what it says or you have an idea of where I'm going with this. But that pesky command doesn't allow us to sit back. And I can... I can remember church families even growing up, the, the challenge of dealing, obeying Jesus in the local church, is the local church. It's those people. Can we trust them? Eh, let's unpack the word trust. Can we minister to them? Yeah, we can minister. What's our expectations of the local church? That they're going to not return. And you should have that expectation. That... You don't put your trust in the other body of believers in the local church. Put your trust in Jesus and know that you're supposed to pour yourself out like a sacrifice. That's what it means to climb on the altar of the table in in, uh, Romans chapter 12. A living sacrifice. We're pouring ourselves out. The return is in heaven and is not here. I want to show you a mindset and we're almost done. Thank you for your patience. This was a discussion this week with a fellow. And uh, I had posted um, this verse from Matthew 27, 37. <clears throat> You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I said, that is the great commandment, not the great choice. And literally... This was the reply from a a Christian brother who is a faithful, powerful Christian brother. But this is what he said commands come with a choice to obey or not obey. What's wrong with that statement? Is a command, does a command give you a choice to obey or not obey? It wouldn't be by definition a command, would it? It would be a suggestion. Is God's command to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength a great suggestion? No. Is there an option for you to to obey or not obey the great command of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Is it optional? Do you get to get up in the morning, I don't think I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength today. Right? Do we get a chance to do that? No. Where is this, even in a brother, a Christian who I would trust to even come up here and preach, this illogic, this protection of sin... I hope when, Matt, when we quoted Hebrews, which is, you know, committing faithfully to your local church that's my very short abbreviation but commands do not come with a choice to disobey. Commands of Jesus are to be obeyed. And we're almost done. There's two views. I like this. I used a slide last week. Is God in your church building, or is your church building part of serving God? I hope you have this view, that I live for Jesus in every part of my life, and part of that is the, the heart of that, is the local church, where those other crazy people are getting together too. I need to go rub shoulders with them, give them hugs like this morning. Just one last thought here. Think of what might have kept you from coming to church this morning. And this is, in China, the Christians, God's working. God's saving people, right? But the problem is when you have a communist government, they don't like that. Because Christianity is a threat to the whole communist mindset. And so, an unprecedented persecution against the church, where church leaders are going to prison are being sent to menstrual institutions are being beaten and tortured and where crosses have been forcibly removed from now over 1800 churches since 2014 you won't hear that in the regular media because they're okay with that right as long as we can promote the next sin as some fad and acceptable thing they're good with that so the question is to you is jesus your lord is he, your, is he really your Lord? Do you know the difference between religion and loving Jesus your Lord? That's so important because the two are nowhere near each other. That's the Lord I serve through the, all the Old and New Testament. is all about Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's worship God one more time in Christ alone. So please rise. Is Jesus your king? And in Christ alone are you putting your faith of where you go when you pass this earth?